I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Standing by the Terry and Ted podcast is sponsored by Jaguar Land Rover Laval. Get out of the big city and experience a construction zone free test drive. There is such a thing. We did say if uh, the uh, podcast was well-received, we would do another season. And here we are with season two. Hello, Ted Bird. How do you do, young man? Uh, I do finally. Thank you very much. <laughs> finally? <laughs> here we are with a, uh, another season of the Standing By podcast. Uh, we'll uh, start by some quick thank yous. Uh, first to uh, Pantelis and Mike Ward, Poseidon, and everybody here. Uh, thanks so much for having us back. Phil Balabanos as well, uh, who shares this studio space with Pantelis. And we're thrilled that the folks at Jaguar Land Rover Laval uh, said, yeah, we'd like to be the title sponsor again. Yeah, and they didn't hesitate. Adrian from Jaguar Land Rover Laval, who is their uh, marketing director, I had a long conversation with her the other day, and they're excited to be back. Uh, there's a lot that they want us to tell you about them, and we will do that over uh, the course of the season, uh, including the, the new Range Rovers coming out, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. In, uh, in March. Now, you might be watching this or listening to this in March, so it might be out already. I know it came out already in the UK, and it's coming to North America soon, and it is one spectacular vehicle, and... and Part of the, I don't know if this is part of how they're selling it or if it's just something that Adrian said on her own, but she said, you don't know whether you want to drive it or be a passenger <laughs> because it's kind of like being in executive class nice. uh, on an aircraft or on aboard a private jet. I nice. mean, it's that nice inside. You just kind of want to, you know, get in that back seat and settle back and, and relax and enjoy the ride, you wow. know? And at the same time, it's. Uh, no doubt, an absolute pleasure and a marvel to drive. And a versatile vehicle. James Bond likes to drive them. He does, yes. yeah. James Bond, uh, whoever James Bond is now, yeah. because uh, Daniel, yeah. I, I might be spoiling this, yeah. but he dies. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Well, listen, how many months has that movie been out now? That's it. If you don't know yet that he dies, yeah. then that's on you. So now we're going to have to have a new James Bond. But whomever he is, it seems like his brand and the uh, and the Land Rover brand are, are intertwined. Although in that last movie, and don't get mad at me for pointing this out, Adrian, but the bad guys were driving Land Rovers. <laughs> <laughs> Jaguar Land Rover Laval. You can find them online at jaguarlaval.ca or landroverlaval.ca. Thanks to them. Um, by the way, uh, this uh, season we're welcoming the UPS Store Canada uh, to the fold, plus our old friends at Merson. And Matt Bonheur. So what do you want to talk about, Birdman? Well, listen, right out of the gate while I'm thinking of it, yes, we're sir. recording this episode the, the day after the Super Bowl. Yes. And there was as much or more talk about the halftime show, mm -hmm. which was a, a hip-hop retrospective, I yes. guess you would call it. And I, 
<laughs> I want you to tell uh, Poseidon, our, our in-studio producer, uh, who comes from that generation. Yes. That, did you watch it, Poseidon? Yes, I did. So was it nostalgic for you? Like, did it take you back to course, uh, when yes. you were younger? Yeah. Yeah, my favorite part was 50 Cent hanging upside down. That's right, yeah. Or yes. as Terry called him, upside down chubby guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looked like all the blood was rushing to his head. And I said, uh, that's my favorite rapper. Yeah, upside down chubby guy. Although yeah. he looked pretty good for a man of his age. I think yes, he's in he his did. mid-40s. When yeah. he was right side up again, yeah. you can see that he seems to take pretty good care of himself. And all of them, uh, Eminem, Dr. Dre, Snoop, yeah. they, all of them are giants from, yeah. a, from, from that genre of music. Yeah, from yeah. and that generation, right? And uh, they don't they don't resonate as much with uh, people from our generation. And uh, after the um, after the halftime show was over, Ted was online uh, looking <laughs> at uh, different you know comments that people were making about how much they enjoyed it, you know, and how it was memory lane and everything else. And somebody posted um, that uh, there was some shade thrown and. Oh. Ted leans over to me, and he says to me, Terry, do you know who Suge Knight is? <laughs> and I said, uh, Birdman, that's <coughs> Suge Knight yeah. is what they, they call him. Well, here. drop the E He's and put in an H. <laughs> that's funny. And you, you know the story? Of course, of, yes. Of, of what happened with... Well, uh, he, Mr. he was Knight? accused of uh, a lot of things. He went to jail for murder. Yeah. Well, you saw that one on tape, actually. I don't know if you ever saw that. What do you mean? Well, he, he, there was a car that ran over a person in a parking lot. And, and a security oh, camera got yeah, it. it was yeah. all on security camera. I actually never watched that, but I know he got accused of uh, Tupac's murder. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, wow. That it might have been uh, not him uh, di directly. It yeah. may, may have been him that orchestrated the murder of Tupac. Oh, wow. Yeah. And there's a ton of conspiracy theories yeah. about this. I, I went deep into it. I remember when I was like a teenager. Yeah. I went into all those demonic like uh, backwards uh, songs from Tupac uh -huh. that it all had like secret messages and right. shit. I couldn't sleep at night sometimes. Wow. I would go to bed like at like four in the morning because I thought like demons were after Ooh. me and shit. <laughs> that's a thing in that genre eh? there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of violence and gunplay in that genre yeah. unlike other genres like i don't recall conway twitty ever putting out a hit on johnny cash <laughs> i think we should drive out of this field don't you, you think okay all right away we go away we go anyway i thought and terry and i both had a good laugh about suge knight oh, terror <laughs> do you know who suge knight is <laughs> It was typical, though, eh? A couple yeah, yeah, of old yeah. white yeah, guys yeah, yeah, yeah. sitting watching the halftime show. Yeah. Um, and and, and uh, this this will be dated because it's a podcast, but a hell of, hell of a football game. Um, and it was a nice way to spend the uh, the first night. Somebody said on uh, social media they thought we were rooming together, that we had shared a hotel room together. And uh, I was in a hotel room uh, because I live in British Columbia. Um, and uh, I flew in, and boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> Boo. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're here for the week, and we're recording Season 2. Now, what are we going to tackle on Season 2, Ted? Well, among other things, we're going to have oh, me. guests Yes. Uh, for most of the Season 2 episodes. Yes. I think we've got a couple where it's just going to be you and me, but for yeah. the most part, we've lined up guests, and uh, some pretty interesting guests, we think, or mm. we, uh, we would like to think so. And uh, we've also got, uh, we're going to do the tweet sheet each episode. We did a couple of those 
towards the end of last season, it's, and it seemed like a big hit. It's something I do on my uh, radio show on Light 106.7 on a daily basis. I do something called the Tweet Sheet, where I take what I think are three funny tweets from Twitter, and I read them on the air. And I've come across so many where I say, oh, that's so funny, but I can't use it on the radio right. because it's not appropriate for the radio. The language is too salty or it's too sexual or whatever. And this is a perfect venue for that. So we're going to do a tweet sheet every episode. Let's, let's do it right now, you shall we? I'm so excited. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm All so right. excited because okay. I just think that you and Poseidon are going to get okay. such a big kick out of these. Right. So let's do our first tweet sheet. Here's the right, first tweet. Glasses, okay. This is from at Daemonic3. First day as a waiter. Customer, excuse me, this soup is too hot. Me, yelling to the kitchen, this guy wants to fuck the soup. What do I do? <laughs> Well, thanks, Demonic 3. That's a good one. I can't use that on the air, obviously. No, you can't. Not on the radio. Okay. Yeah. Now the next one is not is, the next one is not inappropriate, but I knew I think you'd like this for Matt Growley Grego. Opens book. Ah, uh, yes. Well, if it isn't my old nemesis, Werps. Sounds very funny. Christ, that's clever. Isn't that funny? Wow. My old nemesis, <laughs> Werbs. <laughs> oh, God. All right. I, I one, don't know, more. one more. I don't know why, but I read this in uh, Mike Tyson's voice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. It's true, eh? That's very ah, funny. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> well, if it isn't my old nemesis, Werbs. Okay. There's one more, right? Yeah. Okay. From at Mado Beans. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this lemonade's colder than a witch's tit. And other reasons why I'm no longer welcome at the annual church fundraiser. <laughs> <laughs> now that's what Twitter should be. That's used right. For, yeah. Right? Yeah. Good old hearty laugh. Well, listen, Belly that's, laughs. you know, like the broader wow. internet experience, I've said it a million times, yeah. Twitter is the best and the worst of everything. The worst yeah. is people yelling and screaming <laughs> at each other yeah. and wishing each other dead. The best <laughs> is stuff like that. Well, oh, my God. It's better than my Twitter because I woke up to Twitter this morning and I saw a video of a person dying. Oh. oh. Yeah. Do we want to explore that? Absolutely or? not. It's yeah. going to bring okay. the whole Thank show you. down. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for doing that. Um, and other the uh, one of the other topics um, we wanted to cover right from the get-go, I've been asked a number of times about my uh, move to British Columbia. Right. And um, a lot of people wondered, you know, that, you know, I was, uh, as our, our guest coming up, uh, he referred to me in an article years ago as Monsieur Montréal. And uh, my love of the city and my dedication to some of the, you know, many charities that I tried to help over the years. Um, and, um, and, and how could I leave? It's where I was born and blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm a man who likes uh, new chapters, new adventures. Uh, uh, Witness my uh, trip to Calgary about 10, 12 years ago. I thought we'll give that a whirl when I was 50 years old. And I've always uh, had a, an affinity in my, my heart for uh, British Columbia. It's anybody who's been there will tell you it's a beautiful, beautiful place to live. Um, and uh, my wife got a job there. So that'll do it. That'll do it. And uh, it's time for me to uh, support uh, my sweetheart, Jess, 
uh, who's got uh, a new start and a new career in a city she also loves. Uh, we don't live in Vancouver proper. We live outside Vancouver. Uh, but um, people golf in January. Uh, even though I don't golf, I like the weather that comes along with that. Um, on my daily walk, it's uh, mountains to the mountains to the north and to the east, and uh, ocean to the south uh, and to the west. Um, it's a pretty spectac- spectacular place to live. So um, we decided to uh, to uh, pull up. Uh, what, what's that old saying? Pull up, uh, pull, pull up, up stakes. Pull up stakes. Yeah. That's what the old settlers days. Well, listen. Anyone who knows you and who's listened to you over the years shouldn't be surprised that you've moved out west. Right. You've always had an affinity for the west, and I always figured that when the time came, yeah, that you would be headed west. Retired guys go where the weather's better. Absolutely, you know. And um, nobody fights about language out there. No, I like that. Yeah, you're and closer to Arizona. Closer to Arizona. And listen, I'll tell you what: if I was retired and had the means to have a winter home, yeah, that's the part of the world I'd look in. Yeah, ahead of Florida. I yeah. know a lot of people love Florida, yeah. and Florida's great. But uh, boy, I like that that U.S. Southwest Arizona, yeah. Nevada. I haven't been to New Mexico, but I've been to Arizona and Nevada, and well, I just love the lay of the land. Down these there. are all of the things living in the Pacific Northwest. These are all things that are on our list. COVID's keeping us from it, of course. Uh, but Arizona, New Mexico, Grand Canyon, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Idaho for good potatoes. Idaho for good <laughs> potatoes. Yeah. Uh, Montana to see if I can go find David Letterman, stalk him. Um, oh, is that where he retired well, too? Yeah, he's he's got a he's got a hell of a spread apparently in okay. Montana. Yeah. So anyway, that's the thing. I of course uh, still, you know, we record the podcast in Montreal, um, and I'm pleased to say Sun Youth has asked me to be one of the faces of their fundraising campaign. Oh, nice for their new home. So you'll be seeing. Uh, more of my punam and uh, and uh, hear uh, more about that in in the coming uh, coming weeks and months. Is there old home where we used to broadcast That's from right, on uh, Saint Laurent, yeah, like Baron used, Bing High School yeah. uh, area? We used to uh, do those drive through shows. Yeah, in the dead uh, of winter. In the dead of winter, yeah. when it was freezing cold, and uh, uh, Sid and all of the uh, all of the folks from Sun Youth would join us early in the morning. And uh, we would uh, curse and piss and moan as we got out of the car at quarter after five, and it was minus 28. Um, But we warmed up quickly, and we were filled with gratitude and joy by the end of it because, uh, as usual, people that listen to the program were very, very uh, gracious and uh, giving. Yeah, and that's a terrific charity, Sun Youth, and a uniquely Montreal charity as well. I said to them right away because they're uh, the uh, the old uh, location has been scooped up uh, for a school. They're gonna they're doing renovations. It's gonna become a school again. The old Baron Bing will be a French school, of course. Um, but the uh, new location, they showed me the designs. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, it's gonna be a place where people will say, "You know where the Sun Youth Building is." Um, it's gonna be uh, uh, quite a big deal, and there's a big fundraising campaign coming for it. And when I said to them, uh, you know, I live in British Columbia, uh, the folks at Sun Youth said, we don't care. You're, you will always be a Montrealer, and, and we know people uh, will uh, uh, listen to you when you, ask for our, when you ask for their help. So, Oh, that's, that's nice. Yeah, that was, uh, that was uh, pretty exciting. So, um, and as far as other topics go, we, um, Ted, and I, um, Ted and I will, 
Well, we've got a couple of interesting things that we wanted to cover, but we just we, we just want to make it clear from the get-go. People have been asking us to comment on current events. And as we said in season one, no. <laughs> There's, there are so many places you can go on yeah. the internet, on television, yeah. if you want, if you want a chatter about about what's what's in the news. We want to try to be an oasis away from that. Yeah. At least at least an, an oasis away from the contentious issues. Yeah. And um, you know, Terry and I are not necessarily on the same side of the fence on contentious issues. No, uh, you and I could probably have uh, a civil conversation. Well, this is the thing that I, I I've been happy to talk about when people have asked me. Um, people now in this current landscape expect you to be friends only with people that you're aligned politically with. In an echo chamber. Yeah, yeah. And, and that doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. And also, um, I don't, you know, you don't, for me anyway, the way I feel about friendship and, and loyalty to old friends, you don't sweep that off the table with one fell swoop just because you don't agree with somebody's political opinions. And I'll tell you where I learned that was right here in Quebec in Montreal, because I've told this story a bunch of times about having some amazing, rowdy, loud, passionate conversations with separatists at the same dinner table, <laughs> you know, who are yelling each other between, uh, uh, you know, pass the wine, <laughs> you know, yeah. give me the salt. <laughs> yes, separatists, <laughs> you know, that, that, those kinds of angry conversations. And the night ends with you know people on opposite sides of the fence giving you the two cheek kiss and saying god that was fun we got to do this again nobody hated anybody and i think that changed with social media it I, did i think I social media is is overwhelmingly and we talked about it a couple of minutes ago it's the best and the worst of everything and the dark side is i think it's overwhelmingly responsible for uh, irreparable ruptures in personal relationships. Well, there's some families that don't talk to each other. I know, other. And, and, and and I've heard stories about you know we we un, we've blocked and disinvited you know we blocked our sister-in-law and disinvited my brother from Christmas because of a Facebook post. You know that's uh, I don't know that's probably not a tight family to be. Not my family, by the way. It didn't no. happen in my family, but. You know, I'm guessing those kinds of families aren't tight to begin, begin with. But, man, I don't get that. Uh, I, too, have been exiled uh, oh. from my dad's side of the family completely. Really? I'm not allowed to attend anything. Really? But that's unrelated to social media. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> Is it something you'd like to share, Poseidon? Or <laughs> it's a long story, but okay. I was gonna go ahead and I was gonna say uh, say something dumb, like I whipped it out. That's actually a really long, long story of why I'm not. Allowed it's not because of the time you shit your pants in kindergarten, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> did you hear that story? I didn't. You uh, Poseidon on on two drink minimum. What podcasts are you on? You're on two drink minimum in yes. bed with Poseidon and the intellectuals anything else uh, the intellectuals and i produce everything else i, Penta okay. I produce uh, the penthouse podcast the french cast i produce uh, the morning show uh what else uh we have quite a few so i tend to hang on i'm writing oh, these down <laughs> we do uh penthouse live every sunday right yeah uh, are you involved at all with suze coot mike ward's uh, french podcast 
Uh, no, but I did produce the ones that he did in studio. Okay. The, he had a few episodes, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think eight episodes he did in studio. I produced those for him. Uh, it was a good time. Um, what else? I think I think that's about it. Mike and Pantelis and Poseidon do Two Drink Minimum, which for my f- money is one of the funniest podcasts out there. And I don't know, Poseidon, if you know the episode number right off the top of your head. from the It's from the last few weeks... And Poseidon told a story about being in kindergarten and shitting his pants mm-hmm. in kindergarten by mistake. And, of course, Mike and, Mike and Pantel, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I suppose it's not something you do on purpose. Say, well, I think I'll shit my pants. Time for me to <laughs> shit my pants. Which I also did, by the way. What? <laughs> you guys don't know? No. Oh, for real, you don't? It's no. better I don't say the story. You're going to look at me differently. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the story that he tells on on Two Drink Minimum, uh, it was from a January podcast, I believe. January 2022. Yeah, so it's in I'm the 240s, early 240s. Yeah. yeah, I think around that. It's such a great story. And the best part of it is nobody laughs harder at his own misfortune mm-hmm. Than Poseidon, like he's beside himself with laughter, recounting this story, and of course Mike and Pantelis are just sniping from the grassy knoll the whole time. Right? It's one of the funniest podcast segments I've ever seen or heard. It's it's really worth looking up. Well, that those podcasts are available wherever you get your podcasts, and you should look into them. And uh, as I mentioned at the the top of this one, uh, we were. We were kind of surprised and pleased uh, by the number of people that looked in on ours. So thanks for that. We appreciate Yeah, and we owe Mike and, and Pantelis yeah. and Poseidon uh, a huge debt of thanks as well for uh, for hosting us in their facilities. Yeah. So you heard I moved to British Columbia, Ted. I heard something about that. Yes, and uh, at one point Jess turned to me and she said, Oh, cripes, we forgot these dishes. What are we going to do? How are we going to get these dishes? I said, relax. Go to the UPS store. And that's exactly what I did. And you know what they did there? They looked after everything for me, from the box to the packing popcorn to the taping up to the whole shooting match. A couple of days later, those dishes were in one piece and across the country. They're a new sponsor on Standing By, the Terry and Ted podcast. And we thank our great and good and longtime friend, David Drucker who is the chief cook and bottle washer at the UPS store (laughs) uh, for getting on board. The upsstore.ca. I was speaking to David this morning, and uh, he gave me a couple of notes he wanted me to share. Full service in a self-service world. That's That's very true. Yep, that's the UPS store mantra. A worldwide brand, locally owned and operated by franchisees in your community. If you want a franchise opportunity, go on their website, theupsstore.ca. Over 350 convenient locations in Canada and 5,000 in North America. Pack, ship, and print experts for all your personal and business needs. Can do is what they do. Tara? The UPSstore.ca. This is Mark Cassavy, who's a, a, a columnist for La Presse. And uh, when I contacted him, he said, yep. I'd love to be on. How are you, Mark? Yeah, because I thought I was in Vancouver <laughs> and you were paying the flight over. <laughs> Haven't got to that level yet, Mark. Not yet. Yeah, yeah. It was good of you to agree to come in so quickly. But I um, um, first of all, I want to start by uh, uh, telling uh, everybody that I was um, I moved to tears by the column that you wrote when I retired. Um, it was such a beautiful column and a beautiful story about your relationship with uh, the radio program that I hosted 
it goes all the way back to when yeah. Ted and I were working together. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you like, listened with your father, is that right? Yeah, going going to school. So I, I grew up on the West Island, and I remember in the eighties, uh, very fond memories of listening to you guys with uh, Pepper and Patty yeah. and uh, Tommy Schnurmacher and. There was a less swearing when I was <laughs> than on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> but that's true. Yeah. So yeah, it was a column about uh, being this uh, this kid. I was you know twelve, thirteen, going to to school with my father and um, listening to you guys and listening to you, Terry, and then driving my own kids to high school. Well, first at uh, elementary school and then high school, and still listening to you. And uh, you know the the timing of your retirement let's say yeah. was that my 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 oldest son was uh, finishing high school and so i it was in that column yeah so yeah you you compared it uh, my wife had to uh, because my french is is not great as you well know <laughs> um, um my wife explained to me you described it as a belt yeah like, eh? absolutely like, yeah because yeah. it was it was like a life loop right yeah you're and and it was it was such a, a such a wonderful story about um, the way life goes, right? It's you and your dad listening. And it also explained, you know, how long I'd been doing it. You and your father listening when you go to school and then you dropping off your kids. Anyway, it was absolutely beautiful. And I have both that column and the other, the first column when we first met years ago and you referred to me as Monsieur Morial, mm -hmm. which is... <laughs> I didn't, this is a question I, I wanted to ask you. Um, I think there was still a print edition back then on Saturday. Yeah, I think and, so, yeah. And, and I, I think that column appeared on in a Saturday's paper. Um, and uh, is when you write the column, do you pick the headline or do they? Uh, most most uh, journalists, I think, don't pick the the, the 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 headlines but the the columnists do so right. that was that was for me right. Monsieur Montreal, yeah. and when you're writing something like the the retirement column can you describe the process like i, I you know I, I read these columns and i think it's like your heart on the page yeah you know do you do you sit in front of the the computer and close your eyes and just go is that what it is? Sometimes, or, yeah. Sometimes like I, I do, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to ask you about your process. Which yeah, is. it's it's very personal. So so some of these columns are, uh, I'm talking about my life. My my, uh, I have a column on Sundays that's actually about my family life. So it, it kind of taps into that having my my kids listen to your show, me listening to your show. So uh, I remember that that column started. I was uh, on the way back from driving my 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 sons to school and. I didn't know that you were, you know, leaving the radio show and and hearing it live and how I I choked up myself and I was like, oh why why is this, you know, getting to me this this strongly and then you you, you tap into because I was a young kid listening to him and all of that so so sometimes writing is just uh, oftentimes I'll start with something that touches me or something that's I'm interested in I do lots of. Uh, I'm, I'm an arts and entertainment columnist, so it, sometimes it's film. You know, I, I hear Ted talk about film a lot, and and so that's I've, I'm very interested in that. I started out doing uh, uh, music reviews, and so so it's it's. But most of all, it, it comes from uh, yeah, it comes from the heart, I guess. Did you always want to be a print journalist when you were? A I kid? did. I you did. did eh? I did. I actually I, I um, when I was in grade five. In Beaconsfield, in, at Saint Remy uh, Elementary School, we, I started a paper that was called oh, is that? 
presse primaire. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I must have been 10. You were a publisher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then I was always in, you know, student papers when I was in high school in wow. CEGEP and university, so I, I always wanted The to William Randolph Hearst of St. <laughs> Remy. Yeah, St. Saint Remy Saint is where uh, my daughter Allison is that right? Went to uh, went to elementary school. It's always jarring when a guy with gray hair and a gray beard yeah, says, I, "I listened to you guys in <laughs> high yeah, school." Exactly. <laughs> in in seventh grade. Yeah. 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 And, and and back then, um, uh, La Presse was um, and still is a massive newspaper. What led you into La Presse? How did you get in there? I always wanted to write for La Presse. You actually. did. When I was in high school, I remember I, I was in, at my high school, we didn't have any classes on journalism, but I wanted to, there, there, there were visits to La Presse, and you could, so I teamed up with this high school in Laval, actually, and my, the, 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 one of the counselors at school said, you can go with this, I remember it was St. Maxim's in, in Laval, and we visited La Presse, so I was 16 or 17, and I still have, you know, like uh, the, the ruler with La Presse written on it yeah. and all that, so I wanted, it was like a, it, it was a dream come true it, when I came. It must have been, because I remember as a kid, you know, when my dad would take us downtown, the forum would make my eyes pop up, and then I'd be like, I'd drive by the Gazette, and there was that big Gazette sign yeah. on Saint Jacques and then the big La Presse sign on the side of the building and it was it was it was like wow this is where it all happens yeah hey, this is this yeah. is where everything I remember exciting happens the forum had the same effect cuz i actually i was born in Gaspé and we moved we we lived a, a year or two in Westmount, uh, you know, near. I, I went to Saint Leon. I was in the same class as Rufus Wainwright. That's my oh, wow. to fame. Yeah, cool. and uh, so we would. I, I I'd been watching the Habs, you know, uh, Guy Lafleur era uh, in Gaspé when I was a kid, and then we could walking distance to the forum was like wow. flabbergasting. Yeah. Wow, Mark, were there columnists or other newspaper writers who inspired you or who you aspired to be like as you were uh, as you were approaching the beginning of your career absolutely. or early in your yeah, career? Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, Pierre Folia, I don't know if you've... I uh, remember yeah. him. Yeah. Pierre Folia, he's, he's retired now, but he was a big influence on many columnists in Quebec because I think he was one of the first... Uh, he, he, he was interested in... Uh, in giving his own take, something that was more personal. A lot of it was uh, inspired by Californian uh, and uh, new journalism and gonzo journalism and all of that. So I was reading, you know, I was reading Rolling Stone, but in Quebec, Pierre Folio was probably the main influence, yeah. Oh, interesting. I was going to ask you about, and we had talked about this a little bit before the podcast, uh, about your preparation process uh, in the current lay of the media landscape. And it, it occurred to me when Terry said something about when there used to be a print edition of the Saturday La Presse, is there any print edition of La Presse anymore? I don't think there is, there is there? No, there no it's all online. Well, it's online and we have a digital edition. So it's it comes out every day as if it was... A, you What's know, the difference between online and digital? So digital, you get it on your iPad or on, on any any sort of a pad like a, like a, not only apple and um so so it's uh it's it's it it I think it's been more than five years that we, yeah. we don't, one of the last times that there was a Saturday edition was when I interviewed you. It must have been six or seven years ago. And now we're on this 
digital edition it doesn't change much for me you know right. you're, you're writing uh, we have more readers than we've ever had because it's it's free it's just an app that you get on any on any uh tablet that you have so uh, it doesn't change much but i remember when i started out i was uh i was reviewing shows but i was i was also a copy editor and i was working on uh, i was actually you know hot off the press yeah we we'd, we'd, we'd get the first edition <coughs> yeah. of the paper when i was at the sports desk and we get it and and it was really hot and you'd get you messy your yeah yeah, 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 yeah. ink stained fingers yeah, yeah. Exactly. you know that was that was a feeling it was something that we well listen as a crossword puzzle enthusiast i still have to go get i still go get the gazette in hard copy every day and do the crossword puzzle in ink <laughs> with everything all scratched yeah, out yeah, yeah. and so if you do the mot croisière in la presse i, I guess you can do it online yeah, now you can, can you yeah, can. yeah but it's not it's not the same to me i'm sure no. i could get used to it i do wordle so yeah, if that, i can do I wordle like, yeah, have you heard of wordle i love it i love yeah. it yeah well I, at the time it was it was quite not controversial but it was big news because it took a lot of courage La Presse was the first one to do yeah. it, to say, Situ, that's it. We're, uh, we're not going to put a printout uh, edition anymore. And I remember a lot of people said, oh, that's a big mistake. But it wasn't. It wasn't no, a big it, mistake. I don't think it was a mistake. It might you know, let it, it be free. There, there's a, the debate's still out on yeah. you know, if yeah. The jury's still out on was it a good idea that it be free or not? But I think all papers with will eventually end up being online or digital editions because, you know, the cost of the paper and then sending it out and uh, the trucks. And I remember everything was in the same building. We do have all yeah. the guys. Uh, they've cut on a lot of expenses and it's, 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 it's not, it's hard times for journalists. I, so I have to admit, I, you know, I know it's nostalgia, but I miss that era. There was a time, yeah. you know, there was a time like when Ted and I were hosting the show in the eighties and the nineties on, um, if th there was an article coming out about radio ratings, we would go downtown and drink till two in the morning, waiting for the guy to come yeah. through the door with a copy of the paper. You know, he, there was always a guy who got the first edition hot off the press. Kenny. Kenny. Remember Kenny and on Crescent Street? And Kenny he, the newspaper guy. from bar to bar at 2.30 or quarter to three in the morning with the first yeah. copy of the paper. Oh, I, I, I guess that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, did you I, know I, kenny mark do you no, know what no, i mean no, yeah no. he was on crescent yeah. street he yeah. was a real he was a middle real of the night Montreal character, character. Yeah. yeah and uh and i miss it i miss yeah. i miss I, going I, I loved working yeah. at the sports desk and getting going home with the first edition of course you didn't have the hab score or you know your 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 review of the the show that was on at the forum but yeah. you 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 actually went home at you know one in the morning with the paper it was something special well, Ted, you know when I need a lie down just after I get my shocks done? <laughs> <laughs> I go visit my friends at Metlabonneur. That's right. But first, you go to Merson Automotive to get your shocks done. I got my shocks done a couple of weeks ago at Merson Automotive. I did about $1,100 worth of suspension work in my car in one week. Suspension work yeah. in Montreal? In Montreal, go figure, wow. yeah. yeah. Yeah, first I had to do uh, something called a bushing. And because uh, it was squeaking, and it seemed I traded my squeak in for a rattle, so I went back and said, "What's this rattle?" And they said, "Those are your shocks." Oh. So it's work that had to be done. And the thing about Merson, and you know this as well as I do, because you've done business with them for over twenty years. When I go to Merson, if they tell me this is what's wrong with your car, 
I believe them because they have never steered me wrong and they will never steer you wrong. And I have an 11-year-old car, so there's a fair amount of work that needs to be done on it. And I always know when I go to Merson, they will do what needs to be done. They will do it right and they will do nothing more. And they will do nothing until they tell me exactly what needs to be done and I give them the green light. Merson Automotive operates the honest way and uh, in any business and in that business in particular you find yourself an honest mechanic shop boy you found a special place stick with it mercenauto.com longtime friends of the program like the family run business at matlau bonheur uh, matlaubonheur.ca They've got 18 stores now. They started years ago delivering mattresses out of the back of a pickup truck. Norm and his family, for some strange reason, and I I still don't know why, are passionate, and I mean passionate, about people getting a good night's sleep. They're into all of the latest technologies, and I didn't even know this, but there are mattress technologies. There's things going on in the world of mattresses that have to do with the environment, the science of sleep. There's all kinds of things going on. It's a changing business all the time. And the folks that run Matelab Honor, again, family-owned, locally run, locally owned, and uh, gosh, this family takes pride in the way you're taken care of. Every single location you walk into, you'll be warmly welcomed, you won't be pressured, and you'll find a mattress that will give you a better night's sleep and something to fit your budget. I know, I know, there's lots of places to buy a mattress, but do yourself a favor before you make a decision. Make sure you get into one of the 18 locations in and around the greater Montreal area. Visit matlaubonheur.ca. It's such an interesting perspective that you have, Mark, and and I, you know, I... We said at the top of this episode, we, we don't want to spend a lot of time, <clears throat> excuse me, talking about controversial things, but it's fascinating to me, you know, first of all, I'm just learning now that you you were born in Gaspé, Gaspé, Westmount, Beaconsfield, uh, Francophone upbringing, you know, Francophone newspaper, but you seem to have a foot in both cultures. Yeah. And, and, and when, you know, and when I would read La Presse on the weekend, you often covered things that they didn't have a culture side. They were for everybody. Was that a difficult line to walk? I think it's 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 um, it's very inspiring to to be able to open your 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 eyes to everything that's going on, especially when you're in Montreal. So the English, my my parents are francophones. We're not you know very bilingual, and the English, I, my English is from the street. I'm always like. Wondering, oh, is that the word that I'm supposed to say? I, I wouldn't I, know. If yeah, I didn't no, know no, you, I wouldn't know no. that you were a oh, francophone. Yeah, yeah. I would think that you were an anglophone. So that's from the yeah. West Island, yeah. growing up on the West Island and friends and uh, playing hockey and soccer and having that language in, in my life and then being open to everything that's cultural from uh, English Canada. You know, I, I remember I was a big fan of kids in the hall and, you know, th- things yeah. like that. Yeah. And, and so I, I try to bring that to what I'm doing as well, to open up and to, 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 to have all Montrealers feel that they're part of Quebec. Because sometimes I feel that we're pushing aside Anglophones and they're, they're, I, I understand that uh, uh, Anglophones feel line- uh, and, um, alienated. Uh, yeah, exactly. But you know what? I don't. 
No, I don't, I really and don't. I haven't for a long time. I, and it seems to me yeah. like language is, hasn't been an issue for well, a little I, while. It seems I, to me. I confess, I I do, and I and I have felt that way. I think when when you first called me, Mark, when we spoke in NDG, you know, I sh- and I was I was I'm not ashamed of it, but embarrassed by it when I said to you, um, you know, my French is not very good. And you said, yeah, well, I, I speak English, so. <laughs> <laughs> we should be all right. Well, we'll yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. Um, and, and I was wondering, it, it, do you get any pushback? Is, it, does, it, you know, do you, does anybody say, uh, like, you know, that's English. Why are you covering Yeah, it? sometimes, you know, yeah. you'll get those hardcore nationalists. I, I actually wrote a book, which is, which is called Mauvaise Langue. Bad, bad bad language, language or, yeah. you know about being uh, my upbringing and, and being open to bilingualism and and not understanding when hardcore nationalists uh, don't you know they're they're so opposed to people it's it's supposed to be that if you learn other languages yes it's it's you're 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 it's it's a richness look at somebody like poseidon and this is what i've always found marvelous about montreal i grew up in fredericton which is i mean new brunswick a bilingual province and fredericton is the capital for but but for all intents and purposes it's an english town i grew up in a in a 100 percent english milieu a guy like poseidon grew up born into a greek family grew up in Montreal, and as just as a matter of course, speaks three languages, yeah. like without even trying, yeah. speaks three languages, and you see that in the Italian community as well. And I've just always thought that well, what a great gift that is. In high school, what an absolute a lot of gift. My friends were Greek or Armenian. We had a lot of a big Armenian community, so they all went to Sunday school to, to learn Greek, or you know, their parents made them go to Sunday school. Right. Yeah. I think you you went to Sunday school, right? Yeah, I did. Well, yeah, yeah it was called Saturday school. Uh, if oh, I'm not Saturdays mistaken. for Greeks, but so also Sundays <laughs> for Armenians. Then I guess. Uh, <laughs> At Saturday school, you can say fuck yeah. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Not Sunday school though; they frown on that. <laughs> what is your own children's perspective on on language? Are they growing up? Do they perceive any kind of language tension? Is it a debate for them, or no, what's their perspective they're very you know open to the world and they and is that because of the internet in large part because we're a global community now yeah, more probably, or less but you know sometimes i do i wrote a column about this a, a few weeks back about netflix and all of that does it how how it conveys uh, this um world culture and sometimes quebec or francophone culture might get lost in all of that and sometimes i i wonder if my kids will be interested in quebec francophone television or, or Quebec or French music. Uh, but and, and what's funny is that when they were kids, I was trying to bring them to uh, be open to English. And I remember we, we, I was, we had BBC Kids and uh, PBS Kids on, our, on, our te- on, our, on cable, on basic cable or the cable that we had on TV. And I remember my oldest son when he was five or six i don't want this okay i'm gonna turn them into you know you know francophones but now because of you know uh, watching films and and they've i actually uh, was working on homework with the, the youngest one this weekend and he was writing in english and i thought 
I, he's actually he's better than I was ever wow. uh, I'll ever be. Yeah, so wow. that's that's good. And the, and I, their their mother is uh, uh, she speaks four languages. Wow. She's from uh, Middle Eastern descent, uh, and so so there's they're open to all of that. You know, it's the world. So yeah, that's it's great. It's absolutely fantastic. I, I've experienced. I, I married a a francophone from Saint Agathon in. Uh, I live in British Columbia now, and Jess was, uh, I went home the other day, and she was watching LCN. And I said, you know, what he, LCN is, uh, for people who don't know, it's like the news world, the, the news channel in French in Quebec. They have more resources, more reporters. They spend more money on their coverage. They have real journalists. They have a helicopter, reporters who are older than 16, <laughs> they, they, they really, really, they do a great job covering, and we wanted to see what was happening um, across the country. And uh, LCN is cover, covered across the country. And, it, and it's, nice, it's nice to watch. You know, it's nice to have the gift of being able to watch Tout le monde en parle. And kids in the hall. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And yeah, understanding yeah. what both things mean to both cultures. Yeah. I, was, I grew up watching... Rocky Bezarin, yeah. RBO, and Kids in the Hall. Yeah. So I had Canada, you know. And and I'll admit this because you talked about it at, at the beginning of the show. I actually voted yes at the referendum, and I probably would vote yes again. Is that right? Eh? I would. Really? Yeah. That's fascinating to me. <laughs> That's I, not an admission. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to throw you out so until wait, the cameras are off. There's going to be another referendum. <laughs> well, no, no. And we, we, Ted and I were just were saying, Ted and I are um we we don't align politically yeah. but we've been friends for 40 years and the way and and what really sad to me is today people don't talk to each other if they don't have this you you know uh, if you don't agree politically i don't want to talk yeah, the to echo chambers yeah. the echo yeah. chamber is exactly what ted called it i said i learned i learned that here in quebec one of my favorite things used to be dinner with a bunch of separatists you know, there would be like federalists sitting on that side of the table and nationalists sitting on this side of the table and it gets heated and people are pointing and, you know, yelling and then saying, pass the salt. And, <laughs> like, and then when the night was over, Mark, people would hug, hug each other and say, hey, c'était la fun. We, we'll have yeah. to do this again. I, I remember admitting to being, you know, uh, independentist to friends when I was, uh, when I was, in high school to Anglo friends that uh, guys I played hockey and yeah. soccer with and they were they couldn't believe it they were like but you, you look like such a nice guy <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this now that we're talking about it what what do you think Quebec would gain well I think it it, it is it's something it has to do with um uh staying alive and surviving in this environment where as a culture, as a culture, where yeah. everything is globalized, everything is in English, and and you wonder if you, future generations are going to learn French. Or I, I, my sister has been lived most of her adult life in in BC, and I hear her French disappearing. You, you know? do, right? yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. So, so I wonder, will we culturally survive as this small place? We have until now, so maybe. You know, it's not. Uh, do, you, do you think the the protections that have been put in place since 1976 are enough? Well, they they were enough. They they've been very important. I think if yeah. we yeah, yeah. hadn't had yeah. uh, Bill I 101, agree. I think French would and have they've been strengthened been. recently. Yeah. So yeah. if they, you know, but and then I don't want to get into politics. No, but no, then no. you know, with the Lecac and all that, and yeah. English and CJ, I, I don't, I'm not sure about that. I think yeah. protection is strong. 
But then probably for the long run, I would vote yes again. But <laughs> you also just said there's not going to be another referendum. I mean, you never it's know, it's but it's certainly there's none, nothing on the horizon, is no, there? No, no. There like, is there anyone who's really strongly championing the cause these days, even the PQ? Yeah, are they? And they like have 8%, I think, yeah. of vote, voters <laughs> behind them. It's, like but, an, it's a romantic idea for some people. Yeah. And, I, and then when you see who you're aligning with, you see some people that, you know, the hardcore nationalists, and you're like, Am I still, you know, do I still agree with this idea? Yeah. I, 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 you know, it, but aren't there going to be elements in any political movement yeah. that you disagree that, that you of might course, that yeah. you yeah. believe in that yeah. there might be certain elements within that movement that you're not necessarily yeah. completely it's on just board? That, with. I think that the strongest uh, that the people you hear the most are the the extremists. So you're sure. Yeah. So sometimes you're, well, they make the ma- they yeah. make the most noise. Yeah, they make the yeah. most noise. So yeah. some, sometimes I, I let's talk about bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> let's go back to the oasis. <laughs> <laughs> just one one more question did you feel for example i you know ted, ted and i worked at the mix we worked at show these were anglophone institutions did you like kind of dial over quickly and not tell anybody because it was an english station or like did you feel yeah. um did you feel a, a sort of a not a battle but like a you know i shouldn't be encouraging yeah. that i'd be more ashamed that on Mix 96, some of the music <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know you're real rock fan. Yeah, yeah, I'm a rock yeah, fan. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, well, I think that, that speaks to his professionalism <laughs> that he made that move and pulled it off. And actually, we had we had our best ever ratings on Mix 96. Well, we beat uh, Howard Stern when we were on yeah, Mix 96. Well, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, was, it wasn't a conflict for you. No, it wasn't. No. No. And, you know, my, my Francophone friends were from the West Island when yeah. I was a kid, so yeah. they they were open to that. We were listening to Shom. We we're, I, I today I, I don't listen to Shom that much. I some sometimes, and but I'll I'll you know I'll listen to the CBC. I'll listen to Radio Canada. I'm yeah. all over the place. It's it's not, it, it it's it's something that's enriched me yeah. to, to speak. I, I wish I spoke more languages. I I just I love that. It's one of the things that I've always loved about Quebec is when you sit with somebody who says, "Yep." I'm a nationalist, but I feel enriched by everything around me. That's a real, that's vraiment Montreal. Well, listen, predominantly Montreal audiences help put some pretty big bands on the map, like yeah. Supertramp. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. predominantly Francophone Montreal yeah, audiences, uh, you know, lifted a band like Supertramp to the next level. Well, they, they'd play a club in the States, yeah. 200 people, yeah. and then they'd come to Montreal and fill the forum. Roger yeah. Hodgson. Peter Gabriel, uh, Christa Berg is another one. Yeah, all make sure Sting. They all make sure when they come, they speak French. Yeah, and they speak French to the live audience, and usually just French. And, and it's a sign of respect. I remember when I wrote that column on you when you retired. Yeah, forty <laughs> <laughs> percent uh, of your audience, I think, were francophone. Yeah, we. I, I was. You know, that what? might even be a conservative estimate. I have to tell you something. I take a great deal of pride in being able to say that a good chunk of my audience were francophones and some of the letters i got from francophones a lot of the letters i got uh, made me cry and i got you know over a thousand letters people telling me stories and a lot of the 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 notes were from francophones who told me they learned how to speak english by listening to me and that that puts a lump in my throat and i chose when i left that day it was, you know, I thought for weeks about what my last song would be, and that's why I chose a harmonium yeah. song, because I was always, 
always proud of the fact that we were able to bridge that divide. There was, you know, no, there was, there was a, a pride to listen to the old school rock station that Francophones, uh, Francophones helped set up. I mean, it started as a, a bilingual radio station yeah. back when yeah. it went on the air. So, um, what, what's your take on the, the, the future of, uh, journalism and legacy media. Yeah. Legacy media, the New York times, La Presse Gazette, uh, Toronto star, you know, uh, the well, daily news, the LA times, you know, like I subscribe to, to the New York times. And I think that, I think that's the most successful subscription model in journalism. Yeah. Um, where do you think it's going? Well, the Times, actually, their subscription went up, went, uh, has been going up. So these big media uh, players, I think more there's, the, when there's fake news on one side, then you need to have uh, these media outlets where the, you're, you know that you're, the information that's there is credible. So I, I think big media uh, organizations are going to survive uh, if you have a name, if you have a reputation, and then all other there's there's so much to choose from. But then you'll go back to these New York Times and bon, la, la, I was going to speak French. <laughs> la, la, presse, la presse <laughs> might not be the New York Times, but no. on on a Quebec scale, it sort of is. You know, one of the 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 quality. Well, it's paper. a go to source. Yeah. yeah, it's a go to yeah, source, yeah. and I think those will survive. We we actually have more readers now than we did ten years ago when we were on paper because wow. it's easier to read us i guess um but you know a lot most a lot of local papers are disappearing yeah and that's what's uh, that's what's bothering me the most i think it's well i i I, fe I fear for especially in the english community of montreal um you know the the uh the people that own the radio and television stations have abandoned their responsibility they've got rid of all the reporters most of the reporters and the packages that they present, I think are by and large embarrassing. And there's, you know, for just as a small example, no one covers city hall anymore. Yeah. There's no exactly. reporters at city hall asking about budgets and, and whatnot. And I, I, I think that doesn't bode well for society. I think you need the resources, you know, you need a team of well, when you were at CFTR. How many how many reporters? This were there? is how much the radio landscape has changed. When I started at CFTR in Toronto, it was a top forty music station. There were twenty five people in the newsroom. Wow. In the newsroom at a top forty music station, it's now the biggest all news radio station in English Canada. And I'll bet you they don't have twenty five people on air yeah. in total. Yeah. When I, when I look at the Gazette, I mean, I have friends at the Gazette, and every year there's less and less yeah. reporters there, yeah. and they're, 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 so the stories are coming in from Calgary and Toronto, and yeah. the local coverage is not there anymore. The well, Weekend Gazette is now the size of what the Daily Gazette used to be, yeah. and the Daily Gazette is now the size of the flyer yeah. that yeah. used to be yeah. in the Daily Gazette. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Strange times. Mark, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thank I, you. I guys. was really glad. I was so glad you came in, and it was fun to talk about the different things we talked about. It's uh, it's it's fascinating to get your perspective. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Um, and that's it. Standing by the Terry and Ted podcast is sponsored by Jaguar Land Rover Laval, where the luxury is unmistakably British, but nobody wears a top hat or a monocle. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.